Uh, verse 10. Did you notice the kind of expectation being built up for the first Christmas from the angel to the shepherd? The angel, angel says, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Notice what the opposite would be for a second. Be very afraid. I have bad news of terrifying despair for you and just for you. Are they the expectations on Christmas? No. The angel says, don't be afraid. I have good news of great joy and it's for everyone. He's not lowering our expectations for the first Christmas, is he? Just think about these three terms with me for a moment. Good news, great joy for everyone. Good news, uh, the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life thought it was such good news that they decided they'd take that term and they'd make it their own. In fact, they used that term, good news, back in the day, gospel, that's what that term means, and they'd use it to summarize everything they wanted to say about Jesus' life. The gospel of Matthew, the good news of Matthew. The good news of Mark, the good news of Luke, the good news of John. They knew they had the monopoly on good news forever. Christmas, the first Christmas, was the best news ever. Isn't that amazing? They made it their own. It's still the good news today. The second thing the angel says is great joy. The word in the original that we actually have here for great is mega. It's literally that word mega. I'm sure they pronounced it differently in the Greek, but it's mega. Mega joy. This, this isn't Christmas pleasantries and platitudes. This isn't good, good joy, great joy for all people. This is mega joy. This is meant to be enough joy for the human heart to last a lifetime. It's meant to be enough joy to last for eternity. That's the expectation being set. The final thing the angel says is this is for everyone. The claim is that this message is for you. That's the claim. 
that what happened 2,000 years ago, this message is for you, whoever you are. Did you notice the angel came to some shepherds? Some shepherds. We don't know their names. Uh, but shepherds are not, I don't know whether you figure this out, they're not the elite people in society. They're not downtown where all the action's happening, especially, especially all the religious happenings around the temple. These, they're out in the field. This is as if, I want you to imagine for a moment that Apple, I love Apple, you know this, don't you? Imagine Apple, I have to be careful when I say this. Imagine Apple put their first store in Australia in Penrith. <laughs> You'd be like, or in Katoomba. You'd be like, you missed. The point is that George Street's the centre of town. Where did the angel go? Some shepherds in Katoomba. The point is, this is good news for everyone. This is good news for you. Now, you might be thinking, I'm not someone who lives in the centre of Sydney. I'm not a very religious person. I'm not someone that I think God would care much for. If God went to some shepherds in the first century, (coughs) then I'm sure he'll come to you in the 21st century. I'm sure that it is true that this message is for you. What expectation? Don't be afraid. Good news. Great joy for everyone. So what is this news? The angel says, verse 11, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I was thinking, Graham, this is describable. (laughs) God's indescribable gift Slightly describable. To summarize what Luke is saying here, he's saying what the early Christians believed about Jesus is that he's the answer to all of their hopes and their dreams. He's the answer to all of their hopes and their dreams. There's three very specific terms here that tell us something about who Jesus is. I think we know a little bit about two of them in particular. The first one's Savior. Uh, A Savior is like a real-life superhero, right? Involved in the world, active in the world, steps in, solves a problem nobody else can solve. Lord, uh, Lord is a designation of God. It's actually God's personal name. And so this is saying this baby is actually not just a little human baby, but this is God. Come to us. But the term I think that is strangest to our ears and I want to spend some time on this morning is Messiah. It's a little bit more nuanced to the Jewish religion. It's a little bit trickier to work out, you know, what does this exactly mean? What are the expectations behind Messiah? So I want to think about it a little bit. A Messiah had been promised to the Jews uh, pretty much since day dot, since Adam and Eve's fall. God had promised to send someone to his people to deliver them. And this expectation kind of grew as the years went by, especially around King David's time. And this Messiah was going to be a true king who would deliver Israel as a people from their enemies. And generally speaking, they had three expectations about their Messiah. Three things about their Messiah. You still with me? All right? We're going to get there. I just want to tell you three things about this Messiah that will help you to understand why I can stand before you this morning and say you can never ask too much about Christmas. Three things. 
The first thing they expected of their Messiah was that he would bring victory over evil. Victory over evil. Now, before you switch off and go, what does that mean? Haven't we decided in our post-enlightened world that there's no such thing as evil? That evil doesn't really exist? There's no real good evil struggle happening in the world? I want to ask you about some pain in your life that you experience. Some pain that is perhaps hard for you to describe. Maybe it's mental, physical, emotional. Maybe it's a broken relationship, a conflict, an addiction that you have. Maybe when I talk about evil, you think about global affairs and the fact that humans can't escape this cycle of just insidious turning away from each other, against each other. And you might say, Matt, that's just a part of life. That's a normal part of life. It's just a part of the cosmos. It's just the way the world works. I think you and I actually agree that it's not right, that there is something in our world that is evil, that has twisted the world out of shape. And that's why we spend money and time and put together military forces to try and do something about evil in the world. We fight it because we're aware that there is something wrong in our world. In uh, the time when Luke was writing this, the Jews were under military oppression by the Romans. And they expected their Messiah to come as a military warrior king who would fend off the Roman Empire. But you might know the story. Jesus knew there was something bigger in the world to deal with. And he came as a Messiah to conquer evil. The second thing that the Messiah promised to do, the second expectation of the Messiah, is that he would rebuild the temple. Now the temple for the Israelites was the place where heaven met earth. This is where God met with his people, where you could be connected with God. You might know a little bit about the, um, the Israelites' story. They had a bit of trouble keeping their temple uh, standing upright. And so they had this dream that one day there would be one who would keep, who would bring God with his people together forever. It'd keep this connection happening. Now, how does this relate to us and to our friends and family and to our world? Because... Um, you know, a temple's a bit of an obscure idea, isn't it? I think many of us today, we claim to know what's at the center of our universe, to claim to know what the most important thing is, and we have this desire to be connected to it. Maybe it's, maybe it's the idea that, you know, love is at the center of the universe, and we pursue that idea, or maybe it's that relationships are the most important thing in our world. I think we have this pursuit of wanting to know what's, what's the truth about our world and how can I be connected to it. The promise was that the Messiah would connect us to the truth about our world. And Jesus does this. The story goes on. The rest of Luke's gospel goes on. And Jesus calls his own body the temple. 
And he says, if, if you've seen me, you've seen God, you've met God. And Jesus fulfills this promise and connects us to God. The third thing that the Messiah would do was that he would bring God-given justice and peace to the world. The Messiah was going to make everything right. Not only would he connect us with God and conquer evil, but the Jews believed one day someone would come into the world and heal all of our wounds, would heal all the brokenness, would take away the mess and fix it. Like one of the carols we'll sing tonight says, he would close the path to misery. That was the expectation of the Messiah. Imagine a world, with me for a moment, with nothing bad in it, but just all the good stuff. What an expectation. That's what the Messiah would do. Messiah literally means the anointed one. The queen is still anointed in her ceremony. She's an anointed one. She gets anointed. That means uh, there's a belief that she is appointed this role by God. Messiah means the anointed one, not just any anointed person, but the anointed one. And that means that by definition, he's not going to fail in his mission. He's not going to fail. The point is that Jesus is the answer to our world's hopes and dreams. It's interesting that Luke, in the first verse of our story today, reminds us that historically, Caesar Augustus, he's the king of the day. It's interesting that he reminds us of that. Uh, because Caesar Augustus, in his time, was often called saviour and lord. Those terms were often given to him, partly because he had established the Pax Romana, peace in Rome, peace throughout the known world. Um, but just like historians remind us today that actually the Pax Romana is a bit of a farce, it's a bit of, you know, it's relative peace. One historian says that it was called, uh, in called the imperial peace, but peace is not what one finds in its pages. The people of the day had a sense as well that this wasn't real peace. And I think Luke includes this word Messiah to remind us that this is the true king. His Saviour, His Lord, but this is the, the true King from God, the Anointed One, who will bring about victory over evil, connection with God, and peace and justice. He will bring it about. And so if you bring all of Luke's terms together, Saviour, Messiah, and Lord, the point is, you can't get any, anyone bigger, better, or higher that's how big this is. And then the shepherds find out that this Messiah, this Saviour, this Lord, is born in the city of David. The point being, he who couldn't be greater now couldn't be closer. He's come to us. He's come to our world. He's lying in a manger. And if you understand who Jesus is, then you can never ask too much of Christmas. Now, by way of closing, I just want to have a look at some of the responses 
to Jesus, to this news in this passage that Luke has for us. Um, The first is in verse 18, and it says, All who heard it were amazed. Being amazed at this good news is a bit of a litmus test that you've understood the news. You might be here today going, this is just washing over me. I kind of get it. It doesn't make much sense. Someone once said, if you don't think that Christianity is the best news you've ever heard, then you can be sure that you haven't quite understood it. I think that's really important to hear. That means if you don't get it, that's probably my fault. <laughs> that it's worth searching out. Because if you don't, if you're not amazed, if you don't think it's the best news you've ever heard, then maybe you haven't understood it yet. The second response is Mary's response. You'll notice hers is a little bit different to just being amazed. It says in verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. She's not just amazed. She treasures. She ponders. She mulls it over. She tries to piece it all together. Maybe that's you this Christmas. Maybe that's an opportunity for a friend of yours this, this Christmas. Maybe you need to take some time out this Christmas to try and put all the pieces together, to ask God to go, help me to understand who Jesus is. Thirdly, the shepherds. Now, when they hear from the angel, they go looking and searching for Jesus. I want to encourage you this Christmas to go looking and searching. Perhaps you can provide an opportunity for a friend or a family member to go looking and searching this Christmas. There's carols tonight, there's Christmas Eve. We're going to run a parenting course like you've heard, February 22nd next year. We're going to start Alpha after Easter. There's going to be men's cooking events in January to bring people along to. There are opportunities for yourself, for friends and family to go looking and searching into what this indescribable gift that God has given to us is. I want you to notice as well that at the end of this story, the shepherds return. Verse 19, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Isn't it lovely when an expectation is met? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, the angels, the angels said you would bring good news of great joy to all people. We pray this morning even, you would fill our hearts with the joy of this good news, Lord, and the expectation that when you come again, you will bring your kingdom in full. And may we look forward to that day as we think about this first Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.